Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's another week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 189. I'm feeling slightly better from last week's. I had no idea. Last week, I was coughing a little bit. I was muting it. It was Eric Holmes's and Bruce Porky's episode, pretty much so, because I was more than sick. I had COVID-19, and thankfully, Bruce Porky. How are you, Bruce? I am doing well. I Knock on wood, do not have COVID-19 again, so I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, Bruce Perky is hanging in there, and he was actually a big part of last week's episode. Thank you, Bruce and Eric Holmes. How are you? Have you had COVID-19 yet, Eric? Yeah, I got it pretty early on. Uh, okay. B- before anyone knew what COVID was, we just I, I just knew I was laying in bed for like a, a, a week, just concentrating on breathing. Like, just oh breathe. Goodness. Just breathe. Don't die. Just breathe. And uh, me and like pretty much everyone in the house got that same kind of sick, and we're like, "What the hell was that?" And then, yeah. like, uh, I don't know, a month or two later, everyone started talking about COVID, and it's like, "There it is." That's there it is. It oh, so that's good. So actually, you're ever since then, you and your family have been okay as far as the virus goes, uh, You've been away from it. My sister got it. My sister and my niece got it again later on. Uh, mm. like probably a year later and it wasn't nearly as bad as it was the first time around the first time around damn near killed damn near killed me i, I don't know about anyone else but uh oh. I, I i was just laying in bed just going oh my goodness oh was, my god it, trying, it was, trying to breathe i have good. no idea i had no idea bruce did you have any idea about eric's sickness did you just do a show in the middle of you you couldn't breathe did you do a movie mainline or a find your film during those years do you remember that or was it just yeah i don't must have. i don't remember when we started yeah we started mm-hmm. before covid i think bruce do you remember you have you have the best memory out of all of us did we start before covid i think we started like the spring the year before that so yeah okay yeah. wow eric oh. you are a trooper i can't believe you actually did wait actually i, I take it back what? no i think we started during covid didn't we cuz i think we were all like going crazy and sitting at home. And I think that's when I threw it out there that we should, we should do something. We should yeah. do something with movie mainland with Louis Lacau. We love Louis. And uh, yeah. who's, who's now a father. Yes, Eric, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blubbering over you. What? I'm, oh, uh, I, 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 I was just going to say it's, I, I can barely remember what happened yesterday, let alone what happened a couple of years ago. <laughs> okay. He's like Guy Pearce memento. He needs a bunch of photographs or actually in his case, what maybe movie scripts to help him remember who he is. Cause he's a huge movie script fan Eric Holmes, you wanted to update our listeners on a couple of cinematic things, maybe the, the film vault stuff, game board stuff, and maybe who knows a meetup with a really talented director. Oh, not uh, not yet, but there will be some come. I, I made a board game for Film Vault. They've, uh, Anderson's mentioned it on there, but mm. there may be something coming up with that pretty soon. Oh, very and cool. so when, when it does, I'll, I'll hit you up. But if you're a patron on uh, on Film Vault, uh, there'll be something fun with that coming up real soon. Yeah, if you're a patron of Cinematics, Anderson and I, next week we will be covering the year 1943, also known as the year both Bruce and I were born. Bruce, what's it like to be born in the year 1943? You and I are now, I'm looking at the math, we're about 79 years old, I think. All right, we're 79, 79 years old or maybe, oh no, we're 80. This is the year of our 80th birthday. What do you think? Would any celebrations? I, mean, I was born with a fedora. This is a press on the little <laughs> card in it. 
<laughs> Anderson always wondered why I love movies from the 40s. I should have mentioned. I was you still, uh, you still wander around and go, hey, toots. Hey, yeah. let's give it that. Yeah. So cats pajamas. Uh, cats pajamas. So so many interesting things. I love the 40s. That was a great decade of movie making. I'm wondering if the last week was a great period of movie releasing. Let's see if there's some really good films coming this week. Uh, before I go into the before we get into the featured films, Bruce, have you anything you want to update us with? Anything, anything with your life? Any because last week I checked. We, I was so sick last week. I spent a minute and a half of banter, and then we went right into the reviews. <laughs> we did go right into the reviews. Yeah, I was so I was sick. Like, we all understood though. We we're like, like the minute you just stopped, you were just probably just coughing for another three or four minutes straight. So what are you gonna right. do? I put no. On the uh, life, button. life is good. I mean, we're just, we're gearing up for my oldest to graduate. He's about to graduate high school, so that's a, a big momentous occasion. And. My youngest just had a birthday, and he's buying drum stuff for his drum kit. He's very excited. Ooh, which we did record some rim shots for you. We just haven't uh, <laughs> shipped them over. So Sweet. Thank you so much. Tell Andrew, thank you for that. And your oldest son, is he, um, does he know what college he, he wants to do or he wants to go to? Or yeah. is he still? Okay. All yeah, right. he's going to be going to University of Alabama in Huntsville, which is right next to the Space and Rocket Center. And it's got, like, every aerospace company in the world, like, camped around it so uh if he decides he wants to go into that kind of business career he will be set how far is that from your domicile bruce is it will it be a like about a, 10 miles 12 miles oh so it's a long commute from uh where you <laughs> not that bad <laughs> it's not bad he's gonna be living on campus yeah is he gonna do the no, he's gonna be living here for a while at least we'll see okay so that's very good very very good i don't know, I have no idea what it's like to be a dad or you know, and but I would assume if I was if one of my kids was moving out, I'd have a little bit of an empty nest syndrome because I don't do anything except watch movies and talk to you. You, you know what? So I was gonna, I was, you know, I was gonna make some reference from the forties, but if I made some kind of reference from the forties, who knows? By, by I'd be canceled. Who knows? Maybe it's one of those phrases you can't utter anymore. There are a couple movies that I don't know if we should utter this week. I, I know one thing. Here's a teaser. There is a five star banger in our midst. I know this because Eric Holmes decided to spoil our Google Doc and spoil me and Bruce with his answer on one of these films. We are covering, number one, Monica, Starling Girl, Fool's Paradise, which, by the way, Eric Holmes just saw within several minutes ago, and then also Blackberry, and also our box movie is Goodnight Mommy, the remake and the current version. And I apologize to Bruce Perky. I was only able to get to 15 minutes of the original version. Bruce, I don't even know if we can even talk. Bruce will talk about the, the two different versions. I love the Naomi Watts version, the new one, because it was campy. But then I started rewatching a little bit of it. I saw the third act again, Bruce. I think I was a little bit too high on that movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was, <laughs> when I was watching that, we'll, we'll get to Goodnight Mommy in a second. We'll, and Bruce will actually lay down the law, whether the original or the new one, or maybe both, are worth it or not worth watching over on Prime Video or whatever streaming service you have right now. First off, this is sort of a big snafu, and maybe it's my fault. I don't know. I emailed, I'm not complaining, I emailed the wonderful publicist for a screening link of Monica, this indie film, I believe it's starring one of the stars of Monica, it's Patricia Clarkson. They sent screening links to my BFF, Deandra, they sent one to Bruce and they sent one to Eric. They forgot They forgot to send a screening link of Monica to me. By the way, Monica opens in New York and L.A. May 12th. So I really wanted to see this. I just could not under under this time. I could not get it because I never got the link. And But Bruce and Eric did. Let's start off with Bruce Perky. 
All I know about Monica, it has, I like the trailer. It stars Patricia Clarkson. It looks like it centers on a woman. She's estranged from her mother. Mother's played by Patricia Clarkson. Maybe she is, I'm assuming from the trailer, she might be dying or whatnot. I don't know what you can mention, Bruce, but what is Monica about? It got some critical acclaim, but I got a little bit of a, 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 just a little slight comment from Deandra. And she said, well, this is a movie that probably I would have, she would have given a lukewarm review. Uh, So I'm a little bit worried. Why why don't you tell the listeners what Monica's about, Bruce? Uh, who knows if I got the notes down right? I seem to always get them wrong, so if <laughs> I have the wrong names for everything. Um, but Monica, uh, directed by was it Andrea Palaro. I don't know how to say that name. Palaro. Um, yeah, and then Monica, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be a Payaro. Yeah, it could be uh, if it's a Spanish origin. Uh, and then Monica's played by Trace Lizette. And then, as you said, um, the the woman, the mom that they're going back to uh, visit who is dying uh, or basically kind of on almost in hospice care, not quite, but she's, she's at home and, you know, undergoing, uh, looks like maybe her final days and kind of undergoing dementia and stuff is played by um, Patricia Clarkson. Yes. So, and I will kind of cede to Eric on this one too. Should we give away a basic plot point about Monica or should we leave that kind of. I mean, there's not going to be much, uh, there's not going to be much, to say if you don't okay <laughs> this, this so, movie's pretty sparse yeah so um we'll say it and hopefully it isn't a spoiler i don't think it is because i think it's pretty clear if you're paying attention like kind of what's going on but early on you're following monica kind of living um kind of living the la lifestyle right you know it starts out and she's you know in the tanning bed and then she's getting in her little you know sports car with the it's a you know convertible and she's you know guys are catcalling or all that kind of stuff and and pretty quickly you, you discover oh she's she's heading back you don't know how far she's going but she's going somewhere across the country to go back and kind of rejoin with her estranged mother you know that much at least and uh some of her other family members out there to kind of take care of her mom and then pretty quickly if you're paying attention you start to discover like okay one of the reasons they're estranged is because Monica is a uh, trans woman. Apparently that wasn't the case in her previous life with her mom. And you get the feeling like that, that was probably a, a you know, a big piece of contention between them. Uh, and in fact, when she comes back, her mom, like I said, who's in a state of kind of dementia and stuff, they even just, her mom just assumes this is some woman they've hired to take care of her in hospice. And she's kind of upset. Like they just hired this woman, you know, not even knowing who Monica is. Like she's not identifying that, that Monica is her child. So that's kind of the basic crux of the drama here. Now, how much you'll enjoy or not enjoy this, and I'm very curious to see where Eric comes down on this, because Eric likes to call certain movies, quote, indie porn. (laughs) I would say this would be a prime candidate, at least for me. And what does that mean? Usually when we're saying it in a bad way, uh, it means that it's very, quote, deliberate. There's a lot of not much going on. And I guess for me, the biggest problem with this is I was down for the story. The, the setup of the story I was interested in. Interesting idea. A lot of built-in drama there. A lot of character development to happen there. But boy, oh boy, did I feel like I spent a lot of time just watching Monica at a close, very close, almost cropped shot on the phone with somebody else that we can't hear, staring off at things, staring in the mirror, just sitting there. I, I, it it, there was a lot of nothing happening in this movie for a lot of the movie. And it, it, it kind of distressed me because I felt like there was so much potential to be had here. And a lot of it was not really explored for me. Wow. Bruce, first, before we get to Eric, it's 110 minutes. 
what if the editor chopped off maybe 20 minutes and make it more brisk with a little bit more more i mean <laughs> that would help more. but the problem is there isn't much yeah there isn't much actually happening like you have the setup but then you need to have the characters do something when they get there and that's the problem they don't there's a lot of sitting and get, looking at each other and uh, no it was it was not very interesting i'm sorry to say eric yeah, was they, this a movie oh, sorry was this a movie that had a lot of potential because of the premise of the story? And do you think yeah. maybe it, yeah. It, yeah, it just didn't execute. have enough script. It didn't have enough meat on the bones. It like, it's like they had the idea, but no one wrote the characters. That's kind of how it felt to me. I think that, I think, the, I think uh, Monica would make for a great novel uh, because there's a lot of scenes where like, uh, and they did this in a lot of uh, um, indie type movies where someone's just kind of having a, a dance with themselves, but it's usually earned because it's building up to a thing. So when they have that moment alone, it kind of means something, but this is just a series of moments alone. They don't do any work to build up the character that means something. I'm thinking there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of internal dialogue going in uh, Monica's character, which is why I think this would make a great novel. This does not really make a great movie because, you know, in novels, you can have characters talk to themselves. Uh, in movies, you have to do it with uh, voiceover or something. And there's just, like, the first hour of this, there's just nothing going on. There's stuff going on with the character, but the audience isn't led into it because we don't have enough context as to what could possibly be going in, on in their heads. We're just kind of, at least me watching the movie, I'm just kind of writing the movie for them because I got nothing better to do because I'm just staring at Monica doing things and I don't quite understand, like, what it means. I, I don't understand the emotional weight or internal conflict or anything that she's going through because i don't have enough context of what she went through they're not showing me anything other than her just walking around being stoic all that said like i'd say about the last hour is kind of when things start happening because when she's with her mom and she's with the family and now we're starting to do stuff now we're starting to earn those moments but by then like when you do that after having an hour of nothing it's kind of like kind of already checked out at this point that said i would i would have loved to read the script of this to see if there's any kind of uh actor's notes or something uh you know something that can give me a little more into the characters or again reading a novel of this i think would in fact they should probably just do a novelization of this because I, I think it'd be a really good story it's just not a very good movie at least the first half for sure Movie also stars Adriana Barasa, Emily Browning, and Joshua Close, directed by Andrea Payoro, and it's written by Payoro and Orlando Tirado. So that is, ooh, well, it's, I don't know, the way you were making it sound, Eric, it sounded sort of interesting. It's just the execution parts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, the, do you guys see someone, some people liking this because of all those extra shots, maybe that for them it might build atmosphere or ambiance, maybe, or they well, like oblique narratives? I. It definitely has atmosphere. And so if you want that, then this will definitely give you that. Um, it's just not going to give you much story, at least not until the second half of the movie. Okay. And the ab absolute payoff at the end, is there a payoff at the third act? Or does the story complete in a satisfying way, at least? As far mm -hmm. as... Ish, I guess. Ish, <laughs> ish. Okay. Now, Monica rating, what is yours, Bruce? I feel bad because, I mean, I wish I could rate it higher, but I'm probably two stars. Two stars. Okay, two stars for Monica. And what about you, Eric Holmes? I'll go two and a half because there was parts in the second half that I thought kind of picked up the pace a bit. But yeah, I'm pretty much with Bruce. You know, if we got more in the first half, 
just something. I, I don't know. There needs to be more in the first half because uh, I just I wasn't on its wavelength at all. Okay, so that is Monica. It is opening in theaters on May Friday, May 12th. Eric and I sometimes are considered fools by a lot of people, and we like to consider ourselves fools. Are we fools in paradise, or is it just a fool's paradise? Eric Collins would have an idea about fool's paradise. Let me just quickly talk about it. It's uh, directed by Charlie Day, and Charlie Day plays this guy who is pretty much for uh, let's just say he's a mute. He is in a uh, Eric. He's in a hospital. He's maybe a ward of the state, and for some reason, because there's not enough funds, he is released out into the wilds of Los Angeles, all by his lonesome because the state can't pay for him anymore. And he is just dumped right in the middle of L.A. I think it's somewhere in downtown L.A. And he is scooped up by the ravages of Hollywood, meaning the industry bigwigs of Hollywood, one of the first people to grab him, this this uh, stranger who can barely speak. And he seems very gullible and guileless and very naive. Again, this person is played by Charlie Day, the person who picks him up, is a producer played by the late Ray Liotta in a very flashy performance. And the rest of this movie has the misadventures of Charlie Day's character as he navigates his way through Los Angeles and finds himself becoming almost a overnight sensation just based on not saying anything and the fact that he actually replaces. He actually looks like a big-time movie star. That big-time movie star is also played by Charlie Day. As well, and that very, very interesting performance too. It's sort of a two-level performance from Charlie Day. Also, we have to mention Ken Jong. He is a publicist who is not very successful, and he finds he might have actually hit the pot of gold by basically latching himself onto the popularity of this Charlie Day's character. I believe his character's name is called Latte Pronto. Mm. Wow. Latte pronto. You and me are going to do big things, pal. I can feel it. Look, that guy's ahead of the studio over there. All his teeth are fake, by the way. I'll say hi later. Oh, see her? The one who looks like a model? Don't look. She's actually a prostitute. Hi. Hi. Let's do two of the salmon salad. Hold the salmon because of the mercury. No cheese or fatty nuts of any kind on there, please. Oh, balsamic on the side. Actually, scratch that. No dressing. Just the lettuce rinse thoroughly with Evian water. We're going to split that. Oh, and five energy drinks. You want any? Oh, and take this away. What are you trying to kill us? Who still serves bread at a restaurant? Might as well feed us a pack of cigarettes. You don't smoke, do you? Well, hang on. That's the production. Hello? Yeah, I'm with Mr. Pronto. Wait, what? Slow down. What? What? Okay. I'll let him know. Great news, Latte Sir Bingsley's dead. And so it's this agent played by Ken Jong who his misadventures with Lottie Lottie Pronto throughout the rest of the movie, and you get just it's like it's a mad, 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 mad world. You have so many cameos throughout this 97-minute movie. It's a madcap farce. There are moments of tugs at your heart it's a it's a throwback to films of yesteryear and it's sort of if you're a fan of buster keaton or charlie chaplin you will get the reference from fool's paradise wondering eric holmes it's fresh on your mind did this movie work for you yeah uh this was actually a really good remake of hal ashby's being there it's almost uh the exact same setup uh um an idiot or just someone that's not there what whatever you want to call it uh just kind of uh just want wanders aimlessly through life and people kind of project onto him and that's without charlie d's character doing anything he kind of just falls into success or failure or whatever it is and through really no actions of his own 
Uh, it's, I think, uh, being there is probably, uh, probably plays out a little better than this, but this is, I think a funnier version of it. Uh, cause definitely got, uh, good comedy. I like the, this also has a lot more whimsy to it. Uh, cause they're not like it. It's not a, it's not a musical, but it's got kind of that feel to it. Uh, John Bryan's score is about perfect for a movie like this. Adrian yeah. Brody's very funny. He plays a hipster oh, yeah. actor who's just <laughs> fantastic. We also have to mention Jason Sudeikis is in this. I, I, I really got to, I really got to take in the movies. And, you know, sometimes Steven Spielberg said that you could watch a movie without sound. And if it, <laughs> if it works, then it's a great movie. Well, I'd plug my, I plug my ears when I watch a movie. Sometimes I even close my eyes. So I'm not listening or watching it. <laughs> and I feel I'm really taking in. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of humor they got in. Um, right. The way they kind of send up just all matters of uh, Hollywood. I mean, we've seen movies that do that before. Yeah. Uh, we've seen movies that do that poorly. The bubble, for example, this is like a good version <laughs> of that. I think this is the movie that the bubble was going for and fell fall short of, because I think it, you know, it sends up actors that, like the, the whole deal with Ray Liotta when, um, cause Charlie day, his character is taking over for, an actor also played by Charlie day. And he's like this method actor and Ray Lode is just having none of it. It's like, he's such a, such a dick. Screw this guy. <laughs> it's like, well, he's a method actor. And it's like, Oh, he's method actor. He wants everyone to call him Billy the kid. And he's living in the wild West. Well, guess what? They didn't have air conditioning in the wild West. They didn't have flat screen TVs. He doesn't seem to have a problem with that, but he has a problem with showing up <laughs> to set on time. Screw this guy. <laughs> so, so yeah, th- this is, that, this is really good. Um, and again, if, if you like being, uh, how Ashby's being there, this is like a really good remake of that. So uh, there you go. That, that, that'd probably be the, that'd probably be the, uh, short version of all of this. I will also say Fool's Paradise is really, I think might be better on the rewatch because there, mm-hmm. there will be sections of this movie. If you glom onto the actual comedic stylings of this movie, you're going to watch it again for certain s- sequences. For example, if, if you are a fan of John Malkovich, you may not even be a fan of Fool's Paradise. You will have to watch Fool's Paradise for this memorable John Malkovich monologue that everyone is going to be talking about. I think I, I thought it was a very well, I don't know if Eric agrees with me. I thought it was a really wonderful monologue. It's just completely out there and scenery chewing. And it's totally, totally Malkovich. Uh, yeah. Did you like that, that moment? Eric, yeah. That- uh, also, Dean Norris. He's coming in yelling at. He came in to yell at Charlie Day, but he got the wrong guy, so he just yells at uh, Kim, Kim Kim Jong instead. And he's like, just cowering on the cowering on the uh, the couch. There, it's like his, but it's like it's that guy. who's like, oh, you, you son of a, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. the the uh, oh, for, uh, Jason Sudeikis, mm-hmm, yeah, his cameo. Like pretty much all the cameos in this are great. Um, yeah, this Kate is, is great. She's a uh, an actress who really. <laughs> she's just falls. like. Yeah. Oh yes, I I really feel like connection. We need, we should get married. I don't think it's like, like like everyone in this is like so oblivious to the world around them, which is just kind of perfect. Yeah, it's a it's a sort of a it's a comedy. It might be a little bit of a veiled indictment on the vagaries of Hollywood as well. As well. Oh, it's so not it's veiled. Really- it's not veiled. <laughs> okay, it's right. Veiled. It's right up right up in front. I'm and glad I think, you like this. I'm I think glad. this is yeah. This is Charlie Day's first directing thing as far as i can tell and uh yeah he did pretty damn good good for him i don't Nailed know I, right out of the right right out of the gate bruce i remember just out of the blue you wanted to watch that charlie day romantic comedy and you ended up liking it i forgot what what the name of that movie was are you are you going to give fool's paradise a chance whenever streaming or whatnot 
Yeah, I'm curious about this movie. I, I saw it pop up and I just didn't have time to watch it yet. But um, it definitely looks like this is the kind of movie I give it a chance to. And it's just kind of whether the comedy hits, hits you or not, because, you know, comedy is so kind of individual, but it looks interesting and, and fun. So I, I would definitely give it a chance. Now, there's a little bit of a bias here. I was able to interview Ken Jong over the weekend. And during the interview, he talks about this is his favorite performance of his. It's his most deep. And it's a very good performance as, performance as a publicist. So actually, one of the biggest surprises of Fool's Paradise is Ken Jong's publicist has a really big role. He's sort of the second in command for Fool's Paradise. And yeah. Charlie Day is pretty good in the lead role as well. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes um, on Fool's Paradise. Yes, sir. Uh, without saying what the ending is, the ending was really sweet. Like oh, it, yes. it really got me in my heart. Like there was like a, there's a moment between Kim Jong and Charlie Day at the end. There was like, like with all the whimsy and all the silliness and stupidity going on, like they just really hit, they just really hit a emotional beat at the end. They was like, Oh, you son of a bitch. You got me. You got yeah. me. I love you guys. Yeah. That's Eric has a lot of heart. I wanted it to be a dark and, and sad movie, but I mean, it did get there. It did get there. It did get there. We have to mention common too. Common's very good at this movie. There's just so many people who are good. I can't, I'm oh, actually that's gonna, who that was. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, right, we, do, right. we don't have to mention the, who the character is, but I, I was trying to figure out who that was. And okay. Yeah, very good. So that is Fool's Paradise in theaters, May 12th. Eric Holmes, what is your rating? I want to go four and a half, but you know what? Actually, I'll just go five on this one because I, I, it would be four and a half now, but there's like so much like hidden comedy in there. This that just went right by me that I think I'll pick up. This is definitely going to be a movie that if I watch it again, it's just going to get funnier. Five stars from Eric Holmes. And I am going to actually, you know, I, I feel bad not giving it five stars, but I'm give, giving it a solid four stars for me for Fool's Paradise. I, I rarely give movies four stars. So I, I really enjoyed Fool's <laughs> Paradise. Okay. Never, <laughs> not once. <laughs> little little jokey joke for me, okay? But anyways, four stars for me from Fool's Paradise, and and Bruce Perky has given it four and a half stars. Oh, I'm just Greg, Bruce real Perky. quick. I apologize. Yes, sir. Yes, Eric. I must have yeah. missed this, and maybe I'll just have to watch Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it again, but Glenn yes. Howerton has a cameo in Fool's Paradise. Uh, yeah, he plays the CEO of Blackberry. I'm kidding. I don't know. Who, I don't know. I, I'm kidding. I don't know who oh. he We're going to get to that in a second, but okay. I, I I guess I missed him. I guess he's one of yeah, we, my, my brother was listening to their uh, podcast and he said that he, Glenn Howerton had a cameo on this and like, there's so many cameos that, you know, they just go by a mile a minute. So I, I clearly missed it, but I was, I was hoping you would remember where he popped up because I cannot remember where that was. And that is not your fault for missing it because the things you missed, I probably missed as well, or we missed different things. And that's why this movie is worth a rewatch yeah, because for sure. that's how, that's the only way you're going to catch up on stuff. So anyways, really cool. Five stars from Eric Holmes and four stars from me and no stars yet from Bruce, but I don't know if he got, he got the, the screener link. Who knows? Maybe he might see it next week uh, as a, I don't know if you did get it. There. I, 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 I did. Was, I got it. Oh, you did. Okay. Maybe you'll yep. do a little, little uh, mini rewind next week. Who knows? You see 500 movies every week, but I don't know if you're ever finding in your time. 499 this week. Or not. You, you, you know what? You know what? what <laughs> one movie that Bruce did see that neither you and I or, or I uh, did see, um, Eric, is this movie called Starling Girl, which unfortunately, Eric and I both wanted to see this. But we, I was saying the aforementioned 
idiots and fools. We, <laughs> I think in separate parts of the week, Eric and I both opened up the email and realized, oops, the screening window closed and Bruce Perky is pissed because I, he's, he's like, <laughs> I am the only one who's going to be reviewing Starling Girl, which hits theaters May 12th, New York and LA, wider May 19th. I apologize. I apologize. I'm, I'm apologizing for Eric. Starling Girl, what is this, Bruce? I know it's a movie about faith and temptation and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of you kind of got that right. By the way, um God might stop my review. I have storms coming through, so if I just disappear, you know that I, I'm in trouble. But uh yeah. Dear Lord, I wanna reflect your holiness. Come into this space and fill it with your spirit. Amen. I've noticed that the bra that you chose is is the fault through your dress. Oh, teachable moment. Hey, thank you. We try to be very conscious, but things slip. Ben Taylor asked her dad about courting you. I've never really talked to Ben. 17's the time to start thinking about these things. Hey, guys. I'm real happy to see you all. You just feel the ground underneath you. Your eldest, we haven't seen him since his return. Oh, yeah, he's a youth pastor. Hey, need help? Sure. You ever want to be a pro dancer? No. I think God will strike you dead if you're enjoying dancing. Show me something. You and go. Mm-hmm. Spit it out. Lord, I know I've given into lustful thoughts and actions that take my focus away from you and onto me. I know that's wrong. What were you doing there? Let Satan into your heart. I haven't. Oh, you have. He's whispering into your ear. Do you think I'm wicked? The best thing for everyone is for you to go away. You gotta do this, or you can't be part of this family. I repent all of the wrong deeds and the lustful and immoral thoughts in my mind. So, uh, Starting Girl, directed by Laurel Parme, or Parmet, I don't know how to pronounce it. The two main characters, really, you need to know are Jem, a 17-year-old girl, played by Eliza Scanlon, I believe, if I got it right. Yes. She really is kind of the lead, lead of this this movie. She kind of holds it down. And then Owen, played by Lewis Pullman. The basic concept is this. You start out and you see uh, kind of like you're in a Kentucky, small Kentucky church. And there's kind of the, the teenage girl, like uh, worship dancers, right? They're all up there in their white dresses and they're dancing and everything. And one of them is Jim. And she's just one of the girls. But when she gets done and she's talking to her family and you have one of the elder women of the group comes over to her and says, uh, you know, I need to pull you aside and talk to you and said, like, I could tell you picked out your clothes. And this is the beginning of kind of the tone, this insular, very highly religious little Christian community. And they come up and they're like, we have to tell you, did you pick out your bra today? Because the lines can be seen through your dress. And then, of course, that's 
the attitude of the people in this group. Uh, so she, she of course, is hurt and she feels terrible because she feels like she did something wrong and she's out crying. And while she's out there crying, she meets Owen. And Owen is an older, probably like mid-late 20s youth group leader guy. He has been away like in South America on a, on a mission for months and months. He's married. Uh, he's sitting there outside smoking and, and she's crying and they kind of spark up a little friendship. And thus begins the problem because... This is like the same as living in a small town, right? You are in this small religious community within this small town. Everybody knows everybody. And she has that age-old story, right? It's like the student that falls in love with her teacher. She is immediately attracted to this kind of rebellious, rebellious in their world, right? He went to South America and he's like, he's a little bit off the beaten path. And she's like really, really interested in him. And she shouldn't be because... He's married, and because she's a 17-year-old girl, uh, and that's kind of the, the basis of, of the tension is what will happen, and is he going to let her infatuation kind of bleed through and become more than that? This could be melodramatic. This could be just a mel- melodramatic, you know, like um, romantic, I guess, drama. But I think what this movie does that's really good is it, first of all, it, it has a really keen eye for her character. And second of all, seems like it's written from somebody who's been inside of these kind of communities before, because it seems very real. The way that these little micro tensions, you know, these kind of really petty things happen and the way, the way it really keenly observes how all of these decisions that men that are in higher positions in this community could make, including the good guy, right? This Owen guy, the, the could, you know, the decisions he could make and how they are constantly making bad decisions and they don't pay the price. Because if you're a woman in this kind of community, you're going to be the one that pays the price. And I'll kind of leave it at that. I think it's really, really keenly observed. I think it has some great drama to it. I would say it plays out in a little less a little less conventional way than I thought it might. And I appreciated that as well. There is a very final, final beat that didn't quite work for me, but that's a super minor gripe. Otherwise, I think this is a very, very solid, interesting drama. Were you surprised that you liked it? Meaning, um, you know, what it was well, presenting? I was and- surprised it was so it was so um, smart and so non-cliched. Like it has a cliched setup, right? So this could so easily be smaltzy, melodrama this could be like a lifetime movie right if it was done wrong but it isn't and it's 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 really smart and i think that's what surprised me this is a good movie wow (laughs) and an excellent performance excellent performance by the lead eliza she's gonna be you watch her she will be in things i don't know maybe she's been in a bunch of stuff already but if she hasn't she's gonna be she's really she might have been in little women i could be wrong but uh, yeah so she's supposedly an up-and-comer and and lewis pullman Bruce? He's good too. He's really good too. I mean, he, he's like the guy, you know, he's the cool kind of indie guy within that world. So that all the girls are going to think is so dreamy, but, and he plays it like that for most of the movie, which is good. But also I, I like the way that it's written and the way he plays it, which is like, when it really comes down to it, how cool is he really, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Lewis Pullman, but Bruce, son of? Bill Pullman? I mean, that's the only Pullman I know. <laughs> Am I being quizzed here? I don't know. Yeah. Son of Larry Pullman. Yeah, so, yeah Larry Pullman. Ezekiel no, no, but... Pullman. <laughs> okay, so that is Starling Girl. Again, May 12th in New York and Los, Ange- Los Angeles, and then wider release on May 19th. Bruce, your uh, rating on Starling Girl? I will go four stars. I think this is a really good movie. Okay, four stars from Bruce Perky. And 
woe to me and Eric for missing Starling Girl this week. This is we're miss. I think we, we might have missed a gem. I don't know. We'll, well, we'll I wanted first. Eric to see it because he would have been so triggered by. It. I said like there's yeah. the, with the the third act of this when because things are consistently going ways that are worrying you more and more as it happens. I'm going to leave it at that. When it gets to the third act and things really go sideways, I could see Eric yeah. being so pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, when uh, when the uh, the link wasn't working anymore, I, I was low key kind of. <laughs> oh, thank God! <laughs> thank God for that. Um, but uh, at the same time, like those kind of movies, like really, it, as much as they piss me off, they really get me going. So, yeah. I, well, like it, kinda... if it had like a jerk cop in it, he would have been like, it would have been the full the full meal deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna punch everything. Screw that's <laughs> Yeah, but, so but but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check this out. But I'm I'm gonna heed your warning and and make sure that I'm uh, mentally prepared before going <laughs> in. Okay, our final feature this week is a movie called Blackberry. It comes out in theaters Friday, May twelfth. Opens nationwide. It is directed by Matt Johnson and co-written by Matt Johnson and Matthew Miller. Matt Johnson is a person I know thanks to Anderson Cowan. I think I'm assuming Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes have heard of Matt Johnson or maybe have seen his previous movies, Operation Avalanche and also The Dirties. Anderson has always praised Matt Johnson on his DIY work ethic and his indie filmmaking. We mentioned indie porn earlier this year. This is one of these indie filmmakers that I know Anderson loves. I don't know about Bruce and Eric if they're passionate about it, but Johnson helms the movie Blackberry and it centers on the creation of the Blackberry through two different people. And I, I've got to look up the names on on these two individuals. Jay Bearshell plays the the tech guy. He's the the one who creates it along with his buddies. One of his best friend in the movie is played by Matt Johnson, who was the aforementioned director. And also the aforementioned Glenn Howerton, am I correct on that? Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Yeah. He is the C, the co-CEO of BlackBerry. I, I I think they're not called BlackBerry. They they developed they created BlackBerry, but they their company is called, I think, Research in Motion or something like that. Yeah, RIM. Uh, RIM. Yes, RIM. So RIM, the company that created BlackBerry. So it really follows it, the, that whole rise and fall of the BlackBerry via the the, uh, the POV of the people at RIM, specifically those two co-CEOs. Eric Holmes, why don't you take it away regarding BlackBerry? Did this movie work for you? This movie is comes at a very breakneck speed. I don't know if it was shot on film or digital, but anyways, Eric, take it away. Uh, probably both. Um, th- this movie's fantastic. It's uh, it's some of my favorite parts of Primer, some of my favorite parts of Social Network, uh, some of my favorite parts of The Office, uh, British one or the American one. It, it it's funny, but it's it's. Also, this does the thing that I was kind of uh, wishing that Tetris wouldn't. Um, first of all, the, the story in Tetris is very much more interesting because it's so crazy. This one's kind of a story you've heard before. It's just really well done. But where this shines above t- something like Tetris is there's no useless uh, subplot. There's no uh, uh, car chase at the end that you don't need. It's just... It's the point A to point B. And also, and this probably just has to do with maybe this is how it, it was. Um, this is kind of a morality or a tale about uh, ambition. Uh, Glenn Howerton's character is very ambitious. What's the director's name? The the guy Matt Johnson. Been? Matt Johnson. Oh, Doug. And he plays Doug in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Doug is not ambitious at all. And Jay Baruchel is he wants to be ambitious. He's kind of caught in the caught in the middle. So normally how this movie kind of plays off is um, 
Glenn Howerton's character comes in and he's the one that kind of uh, wheels and deals and sl- like uh, like the founder. With my, he, he would be Michael Keaton's character in the founder to come in, take over the company and screw everyone else over. And you find out pretty quick, at least halfway through the movie, that that's not the case. You know, he's investing in this. He wants the company to do well. And he's 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 an a-hole, but he's an a-hole because Doug is and all the people working at RIM are just so they don't care. And Jay Baruchel, he wants to he wants to make these things. He wants to get his company going. And his uh, his buddy is just constantly being a, a roadblock for him. And so it, it's got a the the uh, dynamic of it's a, a little different than what you might expect of a movie like this. Um, it gets really funny. There's uh, there's a bunch of parts early on where um, you know Doug's like doing the the part in the movie where he's sticking up for his buddy against Glenn Howerton. And Glenn Howerton is just throwing daggers at him with his eyes. And I'm right there with Glenn Howerton. I just wanted to choke the hell out of Doug going, you idiot. What the hell are you doing? You know, stuff like that. Um, but then as the movie goes along and as uh, – and another great thing about this is – hey, Greg, do you have a BlackBerry? I, I used to have a – very good question, Eric. I used to, have, I, I, I used I'm to love a BlackBerry. Current, currently, you got a BlackBerry? Bruce, no. you, got a, you got a BlackBerry? I have one in a box somewhere. So it's no spoiler to say that BlackBerry didn't – it took off at one point, but it's not there currently. So this is also um, this is also not a uh, uh, rags to riches. It's a rags to riches back to rags story. And like so, pretty much everything about this movie is not typical for this type of movie. And everything about it, I just absolutely love. And it it freaking moves. Like I'm I'm just constantly, and you know, it's got it it scratches that. Uh, Lawyer itch words that aren't working for me. <laughs> but the, no, the, it, it, courtroom, the, courtroom drama, courtroom, yeah, like, the courtroom drama itch. It, it, it's not a courtroom drama movie, but it still has that same kind of thing. And all the stuff that they, you know, they're constantly talking over, or normally would be talking over the audience's head. So now you have to have scenes where you have two people that know exactly what they're talking about, explaining things that they know exactly what they're talking about. They don't have that in this because a lot of what they're doing, they're inventing stuff. So even though they're the people are knowledgeable about this, they still have to run things by each other because they're inventing new technology. So that's a, another great way to bring the audience into what it is they're doing. You're not going to understand all the lingo, but you're going to you're going to catch on enough to be able to follow what's going on. Everything about this movie is fantastic. I love it. And 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 the soundtrack, very great. The score is very great. Any movie that has a slint song in it, automatic three stars above what it would normally be. So actually, it's probably close to eight star banger, seven point nine, eight point. This might be a nine point nine star <laughs> just star. for the slint song alone. Before before we get to Bruce's review, let's just mention, and I should have mentioned this: Glenn Howerton plays Jim Balsilli, Balsilli, and Jay Baruchel is Mike Lazaridis. I don't even know if I should say it's inspired or based upon a true story. It's a true story on, on BlackBerry. I don't know what fictional elements they might have embellished upon. I don't know the specifics, but all that uh, cast aside, Bruce, your thoughts on BlackBerry. Uh, uh, real quick, yes. Greg. Um, a lot of the Glenn Howerton's character is very close to his character on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know what the real guy is like, but I'm guessing a lot of that is might not embellished. be accurate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way that he, the way that he blows up, the way he does. 
Okay, cool, cool. Maybe, maybe maybe it's true. I I don't know, but that that's what I would suspect. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I like this movie quite a bit too. I don't like it as much as Eric, and I think that it's more of a taste thing in this one for me. So I guess I'll talk about some of the things. I mean, so everything he says is right, and it, in like a comedy, to me. The things that didn't work for me are just more tone things than actual like story things. The story thing totally works. It's totally moves all those things he said. The things that are kind of weird for me and and this is could be absolutely just me. But um you know when you see those movies and it's about a band or something and then they try to recreate the band and something like you have it doesn't seem quite right to you or it seems a little bit like dress up. This movie has a little bit of that. It feels like dress up kind of thing to me like i I, there's a lot of wig work in this movie (laughs) or lack of wig work or shaved head work going on yeah um and that i was unfortunately i was constantly distracted by that and i understand why it's there i understand they're trying to recreate the time but it kept pulling me out of the reality of it uh same thing with like the shaky cam they do tons of shaky cam i totally get why it's there it's the time that's what everything was back then it was all shaky cam so it's kind of it's kind of self-referential to the period but at the same time it kind of just bothered me a little bit and then the other thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was things like hey these guys are really nerds right and yes they were nerds and they were very hardcore nerds but like hey look doug every time you see him is going to have a different video game shirt on look he's got doom you know what doom is oh oh, look now he's got this other one on oh oh, now he's got you know uh mortal Kombat, and and like all that stuff was like maybe that was true to life but it, it just once again, it felt a little bit like dress up and trying to like really tell the audience like how nerdy these guys are and look what we're at. We're at the nineties. So it was a little too goofy and in your face for me overall. I still liked it. I'll still recommend it. It's still solid for me, but it doesn't, that holds it back for me for my full enjoyment. I was constantly pulled out and like, I wasn't in the moment of the movie. I was watching, um, it felt like a reenactment. You know, as opposed to an actual movie that was immersing me. I don't think this I, is gonna. I, go I I will push back a little bit on the uh, the shirts and stuff because it's it completely accurate to the time. Um, well, but it was so trying to push say, it at me. Might might even say completely accurate to now. However, uh, the, <laughs> the hair, yes, uh, Glenn Howard's <laughs> shaved head was like because there, you know, people, you know. Bruce, you got a you got a nice bald head, and it, it's got a it's got a certain look to it, but it looks natural. It's like shaved, <laughs> but when you when you shave it, like if I were to shave my head down to look like yours, it would look. So it would look like a shaved head. Yeah, mm. I, I I mean, I could have done a little bit with that, but that that. But I that almost would, feel that like would, that would for sure distract. I think me. it's an aesthetic, though. I'm not saying I'm saying that I think that's the aesthetic they wanted in this. I don't yeah. think it was like I don't think it was like it, it was just an aesthetic. That's why I'm saying it's like comedy. Like it, this is the movie it wants to be. It's not mm-hmm. like it, they're yeah. doing a bad job doing that. It's just right. it didn't quite work for me. I wanted it to kind of be just tweaked a little bit the other way. But once again it just pulled me out from being like your level of like super enthusiasm for it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're, I think your assessment of it is actually on point, Bruce, because of the whole thing with the, the wig, Jay Baruchel's wig. Mike it's such is, a wig. <laughs> it's just such a wig. And uh, Glenn Howerton's bald head, like Eric was saying, it's just, and you see the side hair. It, it's just, it's, it's just so out there. And, but it's part of the whole I mean, it's intended, right? It's it's part of the whole in your it is, yeah. dynamic. And then all those all those shirts. Some people it might annoy people that there's so many video game shirts and so many references, but other people will glom onto it as as well. 
this I don't think this is gonna happen. And I haven't seen I don't watch it's sunny. It's always what is it, uh, Eric? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is that the name of the mm-hmm. show? Yeah. yeah. Glenn Howard and I've interviewed him a couple of times for this movie, uh, this series he did called AP Bio, but this is not again, this is not gonna happen. But Howerton delivers, I think, one of my favorite films of one of my favorite performances of the year. It's such a great performance. And it's a it's a performance I I think I would watch over and over again just for his monologue and just the yelling at people. It's really funny. I think he's really, really good in this movie. I think this movie's excellent right across the board. I wouldn't give it eight point nine stars, but for me, Performance and Jay Baruchel is excellent in this movie. I think this is the best I've seen him. I'm, I always love, I always love my, my Jay Baruchel, but he's great as a, you see Mike Lazaridis's character arc throughout the movie. I'm not going to say what happens to him, but there's a very really well-rounded character with his, yeah. with Jay's character. Really loved it. Also, if you're a fan of Sal, Rub- Sal Rubinick, as well as Carrie Elwes, they have some really good supporting roles. Michael and let's not forget. And let's not forget Michael Ironside as Purdy as the heavy who is uh, who is recruited to, to, sort of late in the game. Very, very good movie. I think I really loved it. Eric, you wanted to say? Yeah, uh, Michael Ironside, first of all, doing his best Stacey Keach, and it was glorious watching that. But uh, Jay Baruchel, so his character, I knew he was in the movie. I didn't realize that was him until like wow. uh, probably like 15 minutes. I, I was like, God, that guy looks familiar. Is that, the, is that Michael Bolton from Office Space? Who is that guy? Like I thought, I thought it was him, and then I and then I kind of stopped it. And was like looking up the IMDb, and it's like, okay, Jay Baruchel's going to pop in at any point. I wonder what he's going to be. But I'm looking for, I'm looking for the guy that played Michael Bolton in Office Space, and I'm not seeing him on the cast list anywhere. I'm like, wow. Oh. So I went back, to, you know, played the movie again, and then slowly dawned on me. I was like, oh. That is Dave Baruchel or uh, Jay Baruchel. Yeah, very, very <laughs> he's. Good. This is probably the best I've seen him in. Um, and Glenn yeah. Howerton, he's great in this too. But I mean, I, I've seen him be great, and it's always sunny, so that didn't surprise me at all. But uh, yeah, um, Jay Baruchel is fantastic. And uh, also the story itself: what happens to both of these figures, as well as the employees of, or what, like uh, Eric was saying, Rim. It's interesting to see what happens afterwards. There's a little bit of a very quick postscript, but well, it makes me want to actually read up more on Mike Lazaridis and Jim Basili as well. A very interesting movie. Blackberry, Bruce Perky, your rating. Um, I will probably go four stars on this one, but I do want to mention one last thing because I kind of made it sound more negative than I really am on this movie. No, uh-huh. I want to mention that the very last moments of this movie are so perfect. Yes. It's so perfect. And it, it takes all the goofiness and it just narrows it down to one little tiny character moment. And all I'll say is it's a character looking at some product. And the way yes. that goes down is is perfect. It is very, very perfect. Very good point, Bruce. Thanks for uh, mentioning that. I'm get, I'm going to get um, let Eric have the last rating. I'm just going to say boring, boring rating for me. Five star banger for me for BlackBerry. Loved it all the way. And I'm sure Eric loved it more than me and Bruce. What's your rating on BlackBerry? So I I was going to go five star banger, but then I remembered that Slit was in it, which, well, so five star banger, but then you have the shaped head, which kind of takes it down like not four and a half, but just like (laughs) 4.9 banger. But then that Slint song shoots it right up to 6.9 star banger. I, I, I watched this movie and then I put it on again later on that day. Like I, I will watch this movie. This is like social network or uh see jo- like this is like an Aaron Storkin movie for me. I will watch the hell out of this. Anytime. This was a good week for you, Eric. Right? Oh yeah. 
So yeah, banger season is among us. <laughs> Very good. Again, that is 6.9 star banger from Eric Holmes. As I usually do, I'm going to narrow that down to five stars because I'm a horrible sensor. I'm horrible. <laughs> I gave it five stars and Bruce gives it four stars. And he even liked it so much. He wanted to say, I'm not being negative with my review. Yeah. So much- <laughs> I had to like, Sorry, I'm not being mean to you. Come on now. Well, let's see. How many times have I seen Bruce do that in three and a half years? Never. So that's re- that's how good BlackBerry is. So very good, Bruce, that with your four-star rating. Let's get to some recommendations with Bruce Perky. You have a couple of things that you want to mention. Ooh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, huh? Yeah, very quick. Um, Because, you know, I'm not a big MCU guy. But Guardians of the Galaxy series uh, is a series I actually love quite a bit. And I think part of it is, you know, I've taken my kids to it since they were pretty little. I mean, when the first one came out, I think they, my oldest was, I don't know, eight or something. So it's been kind of a family thing and, and I loved them. And I think this final final of the trilogy is also really, really, really good. If you like the other Guardians of the Galaxies, I think you should check it out for sure. They're well written, right? Don't you think they're well written? They're I well think- written. And for for a superhero movie, they're one of the few sets of those MCU movie MCU movies where they really have the stamp of the director like they're not just a carbon copy and they're they have a very very obvious level of weirdness that's James Gunn you know and even in this newest one I mean it ends up being almost almost fully about rocket story which people are like, okay rocket rocket whatever but it gets very dark and it gets very dark in ways that is manipulative but it's so but important intentionally so like i i think of it like this like you know if you see a puss in boots and they have that moment where he sits there and he's looking up with the big the big eyes to get everyone to go oh well they do something like that with like 20 characters at the same time and there's just creatures everywhere and it's just if you're down for that whole vibe that the other guardians of the galaxies had then you'll be down for this uh it was pretty easy for me i took the kid to it and we had a great time and uh four and a half for me was it a right direction as far as focusing on Rocket Story for the final? Yes, I, mean, oh. I think it was because I think you go to the final one. I mean, it still has all the big set pieces and it has all the craziness and all the creatures and all that stuff. But it gave it an emotional core and an emotional like focus that you don't always get in a final final of a trilogy. A final finale of a trilogy, trilogies will tend to like each one will try to get bigger and bigger and crazier and messier and bigger and crazier. I mean, Endgame, for example, <laughs> a big mess. But I mean, people loved it, but it was also a big mess. Whereas this is, it's got all the messiness that you have in these movies, but it has a focus, a simple focus. You know, Rocket is going to die. They need to do something to keep him from dying. That is the whole point of the movie, you know, when it comes down to it. A super simple core that you can grab onto. And I think that's very smart. Did you did you or your son almost uh, shed, a, shed a tear at the he end? Towards... He might have got close. Might have oh. got very close to it. That's saying a lot. Okay, that's saying a lot. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from Bruce Status, four and a half star ratings. You know, here's the thing, though. You were talking about a big mess. Years ago, I remember Anderson Cowan, who... Uh, was as big, if not more of a cinephile than any of us three combined until I thought that way until he gave the review of this movie called the accountant. And he always told me how much he hated this movie, how it's stars, the bad Affleck and he didn't like anything about the accountant, but I said it was a masterpiece and we've had this (laughs) long running joke about, he says it sucks. And I say, it's a brilliant piece and props to Andrew Martin. We love Andrew Martin. 
Andrew Martin on the Facebook comments. By the way, Eric Holmes is Andrew. Has he started up the podcast again? Is he starting doing doing no, stuff? He's doing, he's doing the uh, uh, Cult of Cinema. Cult of Cinema uh, stuff on, on TikTok. TikTok, right? Okay, props. So I, I, I got to get TikTok. I yeah, TikTok. gotta get TikTok. You gotta follow Andrew Martin. I'm an old man. Hey, I don't do the newfangled things you kids do these days, but I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> You'll get around to it. Yeah. So, anyways, Andrew Martin does stuff with uh, what well, you said, Cult of Cinema and or Cinema Sins. Well, I'm sorry, it's Cult of Cinema. Eric again. Yeah. What is it called Cult of Cinema? And then uh, S I N like sin. Okay. Sin. Shout out to Andrew Martin because he was mentioned on the Facebook comments on our Cinematics Facebook group. He mentioned that it's a great movie. I mentioned it's a, a masterpiece. I love it. I don't even know what the, what's there to argue. If there's nothing else to argue, <laughs> look, you know, okay, Bruce, can you finally say that you've joined the legions of the accountant fans as opposed to the naysayers who believe the the, so, the accountant sucks? What so is you that say, about? You say it's a masterpiece, and Anderson says it's a what? He, he just hated it. He hated everything okay. about the movie. I said it's a masterpiece. I'm undervaluing the movie a little bit too much. Okay. And I would say you're both right. Um, it is, right. this is the right perfect this. example. <laughs> this is the perfect ben example <laughs> of this is what I would value as a good, bad movie. So we talk about good, bad movies and everyone has their own idea. If they even have those, some people say, oh, I don't believe in good, bad movies. And some people have certain ideas of what they think a good, bad movie is. And I do as well. For me, a good, bad movie is like this. This is perfect because it takes itself absolutely seriously. The script is absolutely preposterous. Uh, and it's fun to watch through and through. That's the thing about this movie. Because the movie is, I, I called it, uh, it's the bad will hunting born identity. That's what this movie is. It's like you take all of those movies with the uh, with the mathematic geniuses. There was a whole run of them, right? Uh, Beautiful Mind and all those things, right? There's a whole bunch of these movies, Good Will Hunting. You take that, make that Ben Affleck instead, <laughs> and make him like this severe autistic. And you have this whole backstory of him, the severe autistic that also just happens to be a John Wick level crazy killer that has like his whole little bat cave of things too and art it's just it's, it's so preposterous and then <laughs> the script is so bad um this movie is ridiculous it's so much fun this is just fun would, would this be on the uh, the level of uh serenity or book of henry for you it doesn't okay it doesn't quite have the crazy twist but it has it, something but it does have a twist which is preposterous as well. It has a really ridiculous oh twist at the end. <laughs> a really ridiculous twist at the end. It was emotional. Um, it was emotional, it, and I, you know, it's yeah, spotlights it humanity has, and justice. I would say, and, I would say, it approaches those. I say, if you have been holding off on it, because you think it's just going to be like a mid-level like action movie, you're underestimating the ridiculousness of this movie and what is its special sauce. Because there is some stuff in here, and that's also the cast. Have we mentioned the cast? <laughs> You got him, you got Anna Kendrick, J.K. Simmons, John Bernthal. Yes. John Lithgow. So you've got like great people in here too that are all chewing up the scenery. I think if you go into this movie with the, well, either you just love it straight up, or if you go into it with the other attitude, which is my attitude, which is like, okay, this is bonkers. Any part of the script will make no sense if you look, look at it for two seconds. <laughs> Enjoy it for the comedy that it is, because it really is a comedy. 
the only thing that draws it down is maybe like the the 15 minute um voice over exposition dump that jk simmons does at one point in this movie i love that mart that was so good that was such a cool eric have you seen this movie the accountant i did i i like this a lot um, oh, thank I, you I, I, I haven't seen it since uh i think me and steve watched it a long time ago yeah i, I remember hearing kind of okay things and bad things and uh, it was kind of similar to book of henry where the we are just locked in. So I, I didn't get all the, the craziness that Bruce is getting from it. I, I just watched it earnestly and enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. But, you watched uh, it earnestly. I watched it but earnestly but, too, Eric. But yes. like, just like Book of Henry, like we're watching Book of Henry going, why does everyone hate this? This movie's brilliant. And then we start talking about the movie later on. And then that's <laughs> it when no we start sense. going. That's, it, it's kind of like, like a dream. You have a dream <laughs> and it totally makes sense while you're in the dream. And then Bruce, Greg, I had this very profound dream. Okay. <laughs> it, it was like, you know, you, you know how marshmallows are like uh, God? Wait, no. That's okay. Wait. Um, so either way, we, we were floating on Pelicans because uh, we had to, we had to go to, that doesn't make sense either. And they start breaking down the dream. And the more you start talking about it, yeah. the more it doesn't make sense and the stupider it seems. So I, I guess I could see that. Can I, um, as, as Bruce is talking about the account, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that tracks, that tracks. But when I was watching, I was like, this movie is pretty sweet. I dig the, it. That's so, how I felt. Here's Shame the microcosm. on Anderson. Yes. Uh, the microcosm of this movie that should give you the, the flavor of it and whether you think it'll be funny, whether you think it'll be awesome, whatever you think it'll be, right? All these like like eccentric genius mathematician movies have some scene like this, right? Where they're trying to figure out a problem. And there's a, there's a montage or there's a shot of them like scribbling. And then all of a sudden they pull back and you see the entire chalkboard is full of their, you know, all their machinations right. and all of their computations. Yeah. But in this movie, they do that. And it's the entire room. And he, he had so much he had to do. It went off of the chalkboards and onto the windows and all the way around every wall of the room because he stayed there all night. It's dramatic and effect, Bruce. That's that's how this movie takes it and yeah. just says, what do you mean we can't go to 11? This goes maybe. to 11. <laughs> maybe, it does. Maybe, this, it does. maybe this is closer to a quiet place. Because <laughs> a quiet place isn't that crazy. I mean, obviously there's monsters in it, but the quiet place on the surface isn't that crazy. But when you start breaking down certain aspects of the movie, it yes. is pretty stupid. And then you, <laughs> yes. you kind of sit back and go, how the hell did this work? That, that's like, if I explain the quiet place to myself, I would not want to watch it. It'd be like, that sounds like the stupidest thing ever, but I watched it and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So like all the, all the things that would normally be a demerit for any other movie, for some reason that I can't quite explain, just, I, I don't fault the quiet place for it. I just roll with it. The accountant's kind of similar in that regard, I think. Yeah. It's, oh. yeah. Okay, so the accountant Bruce Eric has three star banger for your rating. Are you assuming it's? A, are we assuming it's a three star banger for you? Yeah, it's it's a three star. It's a three star, one mile away, giant caliber gun banger. Is what this is. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> okay. hold, hold on, repeat that. I gotta write this down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Three mile away. Three mile away. Uh, what, uh, three banger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So that is Bruce Perky's review of The Accountant. And I guess you saw it on HBO Max. I'm assuming Bruce Perky. Now I think it's on Amazon Prime. 
Oh, Amazon Prime. Okay. I, so, think, I don't even remember anymore. Whatever. It's on one of we, those. <laughs> okay. When we get to, before we get to Goodnight Mommy, the, the box pick for this week, Eric Holmes, you have a very quick recommendation for us. Yes. Um, coming out on Apple Plus, or maybe it's already out. I just saw it on the thing. So I was like, I'll check this out. But it's still a Michael J. Michael J. Fox movie. It's a documentary about Michael J. Fox. And the, it's basically about his life. The interesting thing about this is that, so it's Michael J. Fox being interviewed talking about his life, but they repurpose a bunch of movies that he was in to almost look like a movie about his life. Yeah. Like, like he'll talk about something that happened in the past and they'll use like a clip of, uh, uh, back to the future, maybe a clip that was actually in the movie or, uh, uh, alternate scene that they never use something like that like they they would use stuff like that uh to kind of make it into a movie and you know obviously like a lot of scene back to the future or casualties of war or doc hollywood like like we recognize all these movies now that i think about it, i don't think they use midnight madness but they should have but either way they use like all these movies so Watching it, I know that these are from the movies, but hearing him talk about his life and then them using those bits of the movies kind of adds a different context to it. So it's really interesting way to go about it. Uh, you get to, uh, and then they got some other stuff that they shot just for the movie. Um, it just basically goes through his life and really leans into his uh, Parkinson's disease and uh, you know, just kind of him having fun with it. Uh, cause he's got a real great sense of humor about the whole thing. I mean, the Michael J. Fox that, you know, in the, the movies that we've seen that we love him in, or that at least I love him. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Maybe you guys hate the guy, but I, I, love I, 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 I love him. And, uh, you know, he's completely charming in the interviews and, and he just kind of, you know, he's going through some stuff and it's not anything that I would want to go through or anyone else would probably want to go through, but he takes it in stride and he takes it with a sense of humor and it just kind of uh, endeared me more to him. And it's just a really interesting way that they went about making this documentary and definitely would recommend this. Okay. That is very cool. What is your rating on the Fox and still probably go, uh, probably go four stars. And I think, uh, if you like, uh, Michael J. Fox and you're interested, actually, I think and I might go four and a half on this actually is banger banger season after all. Okay. Um, but the, I think another thing this thing does well is that, uh, I don't know anyone that went through Parkinson's, but I feel like I know Michael J. Fox, even though I don't, you know, the certain actors or celebrities you see throughout the decades, you kind of, develop a kinship with them even though you don't actually know them and so even though i don't know anyone with parkinson's i feel like seeing michael j fox go through what he went through i feel like i do now so it kind of uh kind of brings you into uh at least brings me into a world i would not have known otherwise i would guess like if someone's going through cancer and it's someone you don't know it's like oh that that sounds terrible that's horrible but if like uh I don't know, um let's say let's say you're going find someone you like. Say you go Chris Farley had cancer. That didn't happen, but like you're endeared to him and then you see a documentary of them going through their day to day lives, going through this disease, I think it I think it kinda hits home more of what the disease uh can do to people and you know, the 
bad things that it, you know, the scary things that are ahead of you. And as well as just uh, them being able to, how they deal with it, taking it in stride and so on and so forth. Okay. So that now is still, I want to give five stars. Okay. Still oh, a no, Michael five, J. Five stars is banger week. <laughs> five star banger week. <laughs> Eric is still a Michael J. Fox movie. Five stars. My favorite Michael J. Fox movie, of course, is not Back to the Future, but because it's Brian De Palma, of course, Casualties of War. There's a bunch of Casualties of War clips and behind the scenes stuff. That, okay. And uh, again, they're not just clips. They repurpose them for narrative effect in this. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And then next week, Eric, you're going to tell us a little bit on next week's episode, a little bit about Young Ip Man. Have you seen Young Ip Man so far? Have you already I, seen I it? I did. I did. Okay. It, it's uh, it's uh, pretty good. Like, have you seen the Ip Man movies? Yeah. Um, good. This is another one of them. It's it's like seventy minutes. It's, oh. It gets in, gets out. It's a uh, uh, dude uh, takes over takes over school. It's basically Die Hard in the school with uh, and It Man's in there, and he's gonna he's gonna fight his way out of it. It's uh, th- this is not a movie I would recommend to Anderson. But Greg, I think you might dig it. I love. I mean, I, I remember with Anderson. I I forgot to mention. I I think during the early days of cinematics, I we both reviewed the Matt Johnson from Operation Avalanche, and then as well as a couple of the Ip Man movies. I end up. I, I think I remember ending up loving both of them. And yeah. I don't know if and this is a sort of Anderson's wheelhouse as far as the Ip Man movies. But who knows? Maybe Bruce or I or will actually check out Young Ip Man, and we can talk a little bit yeah. more about if it yeah. if it's worth. And- and, and it'll be it'll be released may 16th so may it'll 16th. actually be released before our next episode but we'll we'll yeah. get into it we'll get into it in more detail in the next episode for sure okay very cool that is young it man for next week eric's already seen it maybe i'll give it a check out throw some uh love to my fellow asian i, I need to see more asian asian themed films i should i'm looking at the mirror and I, I never do but speaking of looking in the mirror when i look in the mirror i see do i see myself in bandages do i see myself as a mommy or do I see, good night, mommy. Good night, mommy. Naomi Watts, box movie. Sorry, Peter Beta, drop that beat. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Pain. I know I'm not making sense. Remember, give me a, give me a break. I'm a week post COVID. Good night, mommy. There's the original. There's a remake. I apologize to you personally, Bruce, for not watching the original. But let's start with the remake first, which I thought it was very campy fun. Naomi Watts. Would you recommend that Eric Holmes sees it? Or most importantly, people see this film you mentioned can't be fun. Can it be a fun, campy movie? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that if you wanted to go for one of them, I would still watch the original because I, I, there's reasons. But um, I, Naomi Watts has at least two to three other movies she's made in the last three years that are probably more campy fun than this, I think, personally. But because um, I think this, to me, the the biggest problem with this movie is it it kind of dips into the PG thirteen horror kind of territory, which is a little bit too toothless. But uh, the basic concept, if no one knows, Good Night, Mommy, is that uh, you got these two twin brothers, uh, Elias and Lucas, or they say Elias, right? They keep calling him Elias. Elias. I never heard it called that, but Elias and Lucas uh, are returning to their mom, who has been away getting having surgery done on her face. You assume it's probably plastic surgery, but you're not sure because she has essentially one of those like gauze. It looks like a gauze like ski mask on her face. And she's, yeah. it seems like she's wearing that in a robe like constantly in this like little uh, country house. Uh, and basically they come back to her and very quickly they start talking and they start deciding that that's not their real mom anymore. 
that's someone else. It's not their mom. Someone pretending to be their mom. So they have to try to to come down, come get down to the the heart of the matter and figure it out and figure out what to do in that situation. And there's some mysteries going on. There's a barn they're not supposed to go into. There's a variety of things happening. And uh, that's the basics of basic of the the movie is like, is this their mom or somebody else? And should they be terrified? And what should they do about it? And then there's a there's a big twist in this movie too, which obviously I won't mention. That you, the problem I had with both movies because they both are very similar, uh, and we'll just talk really briefly and and let you know have uh, Greg kind of chime in on this too. But the big difference between this and the European version, which came out I think two or three years before this one, or four years maybe, um, that one has a lot more teeth. Uh, the kids are a lot weirder. The stuff that happens is a lot more twisted, and it's a lot um, more of a bite to it. Whereas this has been kind of defanged all the way around original uh, was 2014 austrian yeah. film and i thought i wondered like did i did i rate it just the same though and i went back and looked and like no i had, I had rated the original three and a half so that seemed about right because I, I didn't love it but i liked it okay so the, my problem is that the twist didn't work at all for me in both versions because it's basically almost a remake of a movie from the 70s which I shouldn't mention because if you know the twist, you'll know the twist of the seventies movie. No, oh, mention so. this. Mention the movie after we're done recording. I want to. I want to see it. Okay, yeah, it's a great cool. movie. Under a wildly underseen movie. Um, oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this is uh, kind of a miss for me. I would say if you're interested in that storyline, go check out the original version from a what the 2016 or 17 something like that, and you'll get a better um, a better experience. I think. Well, okay. My initial thoughts on Goodnight Mommy, it's very, I, to me, it was can't be fun. I love Naomi Watts, even when she's overacting in certain, (laughs) (laughs) somewhere in the organ organ woods and whatnot. But she's, I I don't know if she's bandaged up for a part of the movie, but it's interesting because there are parts of her that are very tamped down her performance in this movie because you're, you're actually trying to infer who she is from the perspectives of those two kids, those twins. So a lot of, a lot of her performance deals with her being observed by the brothers. And I had not seen the original, so I had no clue without giving too much away. What I love about good night, mommy, the remake, I guess this version, which is currently streaming on prime video, it will probably be on prime video forever. So I just, I just think it's a really cool. You get two movies for the price of one. I mean, if you look at it in a certain way, and it, it completely worked for me. I love these kind of movies. Okay. So when I say stuff like Raising Cane is my favorite De Palma film, it's not his best film, but it's my personal favorite. So these kind of bonkers out there kind of stories are really right up my alley. I don't, I think a lot of people will fall on Bruce's camp regarding it might be a miss or maybe a mild recommend. But for me, this is easily a, a top film for me. It's a four and a half out of five. I don't know. Maybe I gave it four. But I was watching pieces of it. It's it's a fun. It's a really good movie. Four and a half out of five. But again, the caveat is it might it sh- it need, needs to be this kind of suspense thriller that you might really be you, you need to be really steeped into the craziness of the genre. I'm not saying you are Bruce, but not just the craziness, but some of the the stinky fish of the genre. <laughs> so I, I just yeah. love every yeah yeah. So and I think that the the thing that people will gain if they've seen the original is they'll know that this is not very bonkers compared to the original. The original oh. is more is more bonkers. So I think that's part of the problem. You know what I mean? Like if you've seen the original, you're like, well, this is kind of the same, but like 
they took some of the flavor away. So, well, I mean, I saw actually only 15 minutes of the original, and the opening shot has the two brothers in the cornfield, and they're chasing, they're playing hide and seek, and you can tell already it's going to be a very visually interesting movie. And I don't know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see. I think as much as I love this remake, who knows, I might like the original as well. Maybe I'll get to eventually seeing the original. So you might. I think the performance, even from Mommy, is. I, I, it's hard to say, but I think it's even better in that too, because she's a little bit creepier and a little weirder. And the mm. kids are definitely creepier. And some of the stuff that goes down is way more. I mean, it's not super duper extreme, but it's way more extreme compared to this. Right. Okay. I can't well, say you, what happens in this, or it will tell you what's happened to that. So, but you know, do you think Eric would be a fan of either version? I think he'd be m- medium on it. Uh, I think he might like one of them. Okay, but I don't think either of them would would knock his socks off. But oh. I don't know. Eric surprised me. Eric's a wild card. You never. <laughs> sometimes you, you never know with Eric. Sometimes he loves I, a movie that I think he'd hate, and vice versa. So I'm a grown ass man. You can't tell me what my. Uh, That's right. I'm not. I said I don't know. <laughs> although, although Joseph Bridges nailed it. What was it? I don't think it was last week or maybe the week before. There was something. There was some movie that you posted on the uh, Cinemax Facebook page, mm-hmm. and it was like, "What do you think we're going to think of it?" And Joseph Joseph Bridge like gave what he thinks Greg is going to be, which four stars too easy. What Bruce is going to think two stars also too easy, and then it, but but he had uh, he had mine dead to rights. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> what movie it was, but yeah, you know J- Joseph Bridges is a member of our Cinematic Facebook group. And he, he, Joseph Bridge is the only one that's in lives inside my brain. Uh, I, I didn't invite him there. He just lives there. So he's what? so good. He's so good. He does actually just daily movie recommendations on our Facebook group. He is a highlight of our group. Check out on our show notes how to join. It's very easy to join. Just click the link and become a member. Okay. And you get to talk to me and Bruce and Eric, but more importantly, the other members of the group who are just as passionate, if not more, you know, in cinema than we are. So, Cinematics Facebook group, check it out. Let's also check out the next box pick for Bruce. Bruce, what's in the bleeping box? What's in the box, Bruce? Well, let's see. Well, I'm sorry, Joseph Bridges, yours did not get picked. But something that Matt Stillman suggested mm. did get picked. I don't know how long this has been at the box. It's been a long time, I think. It is a Milos Forman movie. Mm. From 1967, called the Fireman's Ball. Ooh, okay. The Fireman's Ball. <laughs> why, why are you? How dare you laugh at me, Loesch Foreman? Eric, <laughs> what? No, why are you laughing? I I'm said ball. Tw- I'm a 12 year old. Yeah. <laughs> he said ball. Oh, because <laughs> I didn't say the Fireman's Balls. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> it's a family show, but the school families make ball jokes, I guess. Yeah, it's a post op <laughs> movie, The Fireman's Ball. Okay, so, anyways, that is it. Final thoughts. You know what, Eric Holmes, you're not going to get a final thought because you just, because <laughs> of your gallows humor. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I, Get Eric. Yeah, we I, I do uh, do have some uh, interviews coming up uh, with the Freddy documentary. I uh, interviewed the uh, director for that, and so that will be coming up. We got a movie coming out called "The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster." Uh, I just found out I got an interview with the director of that. Uh, Very cool. Friday, so that'll be coming out soon. And uh, yeah, got got some uh, dude. We are we're full in on banger season, and I could not be happier. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, whether it's a fireman's ball or, or or good night, mommy. It's all it's banger season for Eric Holmes. By the way, check out Eric Holmes' interviews, all our interviews on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. That's where we house our podcast content, our interviews and reviews. Please subscribe. Yes, er- also, yes. also, uh, maybe, uh, maybe reviewing a, a TV series coming up. Can't talk about it, but uh, pretty excited oh. about it. Okay, it should be. Might, might, might be a might be a cartoon of something I've been looking forward to okay. for a long time. Might be talking about that. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see what comes. Don't throw water on that series. Final thoughts from you, Bruce Berkey. Uh, I just have two simple words, and that is jub jub. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a reference that you guys hopefully will get get to us next week. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Thank you guys for listening here on Cinematics. Bye.